You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. Well, these last few weeks, we've kind of been rolling out um, a new discipline, a new process uh, that we've been calling SOAP, and with that, um, the journaling. And again, my theory, whether it's right or wrong, is you know when you're rolling out something new, it's really important to kind of talk about it for at least three weeks So that way you hope everybody within the span of that three weeks has heard about it at least once. And so uh, today is week four, kind of talking about the soap uh, and the journaling. Uh, I kind of put the information in your outline there in your bulletin. So I'm not going to spend, because we've done this for the last three weeks, I'm not going to spend a lot of time this morning going through uh, those specific um, four Uh, words there. Um, So you can kind of just read that. Uh, There's a summary there in the outline. If you're not familiar uh, with that, uh, I've included even more detail um, in the journals. You can pick a journal up outside the sanctuary uh, doors there. So for those of you that have been, you know, kind of coming the last couple of weeks, I'm not going to go into a lot of detail on that. So can I get an amen? Yes, all right. Um, Again, the goal, the purpose behind the soap uh, and the journaling is we're like, we just want to get you, we want to encourage you to just be in the Word daily. I know, I know, you know, maybe many of you, some of you are, uh, that's great. Uh, also, we kind of want to just to be able to kind of get everybody together reading the same scripture. We kind of just feel like that, that has a way maybe of building unity within the body of Christ to know that we're all kind of reading the same Word. I know some of you may be reading more than just what's being uh, asked of you in the daily Bible reading. That's awesome. We're just wanting to make sure that people are being encouraged to kind of get in uh, to the Word. And then, you know, kind of in, in the journaling. Again, we're just asking you to kind of just reflect upon what you're reading. And I'll say a little bit more about that later uh, in the sermon. So if you're new this morning, you're really not sure uh, what this is all about. Again, there's information in the sermon outline. Uh, There's definitely more information that we have kind of put inside each of the journals. It'll kind of give you a better, deeper explanation um, of what we're doing. There are complimentary journals out there um, on the welcome table just outside the uh, sanctuary doors here. You can pick one of those um, up on your way out if you don't have one. Also, there's complimentary Bibles. If you do not own a Bible, uh, there are complimentary Bibles. We just encourage you. Uh, They're the light blue uh, paperback ones, and they're kind of sitting on chairs maybe throughout the congregation. We've had a lot of them go out, which is awesome. Um, So if you need a Bible, just grab one of those uh, as well. It's, it's our gift to you. Um, also in your bulletin this morning, you'll kind of find there is a, a card in there for the uh, daily reading for October. So today being day one, October 1st, you're going to start uh, in Matthew chapter 1. Tomorrow is day 2, October 2nd. You'll be in Matthew chapter 2, you know, October 3rd, day 3. You'll be in Matthew 3 and so on. Um, and then also during the week sometime, we're just going to ask you to read um, 
chapter 1 of the book of Jonah. And then next Sunday, I'll kind of begin a series, uh, and I'll be preaching on chapter 1 of Jonah. The following week, you'll kind of, you know, in addition to your daily reading in the book of Matthew, you'll read Jonah chapter 2. And then that following Sunday, I'll preach on Jonah 2. So we're, we're trying to get it away so that you're kind of reading, and then we're kind of talking about that and reflecting on that together uh, as a congregation. So hopefully that's pretty clear where we're kind of heading here for the next month. There are some extra cards out there on the welcome table, so if you lose yours, uh, you can always find some additional ones out there on the Welcome Center. Preacher, author, and pastor Chuck Swindoll uh, once made a statement that I think really kind of basically summarizes what my hope is for us as a congregation in regards to the soap Bible reading and the journaling process. And he said this, he said, if I can have only one wish for God's people, it would be that all of us would return to the word of God that we would realize once for all that his book has the answers. The Bible is the authority, the final resting place of our cares, our worries, our griefs, our tragedies, our sorrows, and our surprises. It is the final answer to our questions, our search. Turning back to the scriptures will provide something that nothing else on earth will provide. Again, I was really reminded of just how valuable the Bible is as I came across a very interesting fact regarding communication. As a lot of you know, the world of information today is really kind of connected via the internet. But did you know in 1860, the fastest way to send a message was by the newly developed business called the Pony Express? This innovative new enterprise was created by the Russell Major Waddell Company. And they sought out and they hired young single men who were hired to ride eight hours and 80 miles per day on horseback. So that 1,946 miles between St. Joseph, Missouri and Sacramento, California was linked together by 190 stations so that mail could be delivered in 10 days rather than the normal 25 days. And these men rode six days a week at that time for a very big salary of $125 a month. And each man was outfitted identically with a bright red shirt and blue trousers. But what was interesting to note was their gear included an ultra-light saddle, a Colt revolver, a lightweight Winchester, and a Bible. Now, interestingly enough, every piece of mail was required to be written on thin paper so as to reduce the weight of the saddlebag, but a Bible was still included in every man's saddlebag. In the brief 19 months of the Pony Express existence, those riders traveled 650,000 miles total and delivered 34,754 pieces of mail and only lost one bag. You can't say that about the United States Post Office of today, right? But on every trip, it's interesting that the writers carried a copy 
of God's word. And back then, they, they were big books. They were heavy books. That's how important the Bible was to them in that day. Now, I know for those of you that are members, regular attenders of this church, I know you see how valuable the Bible is. I know you understand that. I know that we as a congregation, we readily and often acknowledge uh, the inspiration of the Bible and the importance of the Bible. But the question I want to raise today is not, do you see the Bible as valuable? My question to you today is, do you see the Bible as applicable? That is, are we going to be serious about applying the truths of the Bible to how we do truth or church? Are we going to be diligent in, in applying the truths of the Bible to how we live our lives? And this is one of the reasons why we're encouraging you to take some time every day in your daily Bible reading. And as you're reading, again, to be open to how the Holy Spirit may be leading you to apply that in your life. What you need to take away from the scriptures. Like I said last week, the only part of the Bible we really believe is the part we do. And that is what application is all about. Let me just put the question to you more personally. What has the final say in your life? I mean, you find yourself kind of backed up in a corner. I mean, when your back is up against the wall, when you are forced to face reality, when you've got to make a decision as to how you are going to conduct yourself, where do you turn? When it comes to establishing maybe a standard for personal morality, what's your ruler? When you need an ethical compass to find your way out of an ethical jungle, how do you determine which way is north? When you're on a stormy sea of churning emotions, what lighthouse do you use to show you where to find the shore of safety? You know, there's a difference between seeing the Bible as authoritative and surrendering to the Bible as authoritative. One of the charges that God brought against his people through the prophet Hosea was that they had treated God's word like a stranger. Hosea 8.12 says this. It says, I have written for him the great things of my law, but they were considered as a stranger. You see, the stranger was not at home in Israel. He had no permanent dwelling place there. He was allowed to live there, but he had no voice in how things uh, worked he had no say in the affairs of Israel. He possessed no vote. Whatever opinion he might have about important decisions was ignored. And God was saying through the prophet Hosea, you have treated my word as a stranger. It has no voice in your daily affairs. It casts no vote. You are ignoring what I have to say. You see, it's easy for the church to become just a matter of empty, hollow words. It's easy to become a church where you take the Bible literally, but you don't take it seriously. Where you are orthodox, but you're not obedient. The message version of Colossians 3.16 says this, let the word of Christ, the message, have the run of the house. Give it plenty of room in your lives. 
I want God's word to make itself at home in our church, in my life, in your life. And in order to do that, we must understand not only what the Bible is, but we gotta understand what the Bible does. The psalmist gives us this perfect metaphor both what the Bible is and what the Bible does in Psalm 119, verse 105. And there he says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I've often wondered why the word lamp and light are used together. And I discovered that in biblical times, the lamp was used for the dark and a light was used for the day. I remember the house we lived in before the house we're in right now. We just had one window in our kitchen. And even on the brightest of days, whenever we would go into the kitchen, we would still have to flip a light on in the kitchen in order to be able to see. So in other words, when you are in the dark and not sure what to believe, the Bible will be your lamp to show you and to guide you. But when you're in the daytime, maybe when you're even sure where to go and what to do, David says the Bible will be a light to guide you as well. Again, the Bible is meant to be God's manual for life. It's God's book of instruction, both for the universal church and for the individual Christian. So let me just give you a few ways we can use God's word as a lamp and a light in our lives. And first, we should use the Bible to guide what we believe. We are told this book is a lamp to our feet. Now a lamp is what gives light to the dark. And by the way, did you know the term Bible is never once found in Scripture? It's kind of like the word Trinity. We use that word Trinity. We use that word Bible all the time. But did you know that those words are not in the Bible? We use the word Bible often. But actually the word Bible, it's not even a biblical term. I like the way Dr. Luke kind of describes what we call the Bible in Luke 24, verse 27. And there he says, and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Did you know that word scripture in the Greek is the word graphen, which gives us our English word graph? And that word literally means that which is written. I think it is significant that God simply didn't think what he wanted to tell us. He didn't just verbally speak his message or just reveal it through clouds or dreams. He made sure his word was recorded, that it was written down. I believe the reason for that is he wanted us to have something we could hold in our hands that our eyes could look upon Again, it's one of the reasons we're encouraging you to join the practice of journaling with what you are reading daily from the scriptures. Because here's the thing. When you take time to write something down, as in journaling, do you realize it has a way of getting more deeply down inside of you? That's true. Sometimes when we are just reading scripture, and I'm guilty of this, sometimes you're just reading scripture, it can kind of just proverbially go in one ear and out the other. But when you take time to reflect, to write down what you're thinking, how God may be encountering you in your reading, when you just take time to write that down as you're reflecting on that, okay, 
You just absorb it at a deeper level. And it has a greater impact. It has a greater chance of changing your life for good. One of the benefits of journaling is it provides us with an opportunity to kind of reflect on what is happening on the inside of us. Okay? It, it provides us with an outward expression of our inner life. I'm finding in my journaling, it can also kind of serve as a type of prayer, where again, you're just bringing your thoughts before God. It's an opportunity to notice and to reflect upon what's happening in my life, what's happening in my heart, what's happening in my spirit, what's going on, what's the traffic in my mind. And you're able to examine all of that in God's presence. The point is reflecting on your life, your heart, your emotions, and your spiritual journey. And you're just doing that in a written format. It slows you down. It makes you kind of think, what's going on? What's happening? Plato famously suggested that the unexamined life, it isn't worth living John Dewey, a well-known educator, made the point, we don't learn alone through experience. We learn by reflecting on our experiences. And journaling allows us the opportunity to reflect upon our experiences. In Scripture, the call to examine our hearts echoes over and over again. Lamentations 3, verse 40 is just one example. And there it says, let us search out and examine our ways and turn back to the Lord. I believe when we take time to reflect on and journal what is happening to us on how we respond and why, bringing all of that before God, I think it brings some important things that can potentially happen. First thing when you're journaling is we can start seeing patterns, both good and bad, healthy and unhealthy in our lives. Second thing is, we can notice when our thinking is becoming destructive. Third thing, we can identify different people or circumstances that are unhealthy for us. Or those people or circumstances that really kind of help us to grow and to mature. Finally, it's one of the ways that maybe we can begin to develop kind of a consistent and an effective prayer life. Let me just share with you a, a couple of other things I'm kind of learning in, in the process of journaling. Beware, okay? Just be aware. You're not writing a book that someday is going to be published, okay? And, and the reason I say that is because sometimes when we're journaling, we can kind of begin to get hung up on punctuation, on grammar. We'll kind of start looking maybe for kind of the right word or flowery words or impressive words. And, and, and sometimes we're writing uh, not more uh, just to be raw and authentic uh, before God, but we're kind of writing thinking that one day, oh my goodness, this could be published, you know, and, and, and so what happens is when you kind of begin to approach journaling in that kind of frame of mind is it, you're going to just find yourself getting bogged down and burned out. So again, as you're journaling, just be real, just be raw, just be, you know, authentic before God. Second thing that I, I just kind of want to put out there for you 
just a journaling tip, um, is don't write as if you're writing for an audience. That, you know, I, I, I'm going to write this, uh, you know, be, because other people may see it. If you're writing uh, for what, what may be a potential audience, here's the thing that's going to happen. You're going to stop being honest. Okay? You are. Because if, if in the back of your mind there is a potential that one day, someday, someone could read this, you'll begin to write for that invisible audience. And what will happen is you'll begin to just kind of pull away from the truth. And, and, and so journaling really needs for it to be effective, for I think it to be life-changing. It just really needs to be real. It just needs to be authentic before God. I would say to spouses... If, you're, if your spouse is journaling, please respect their privacy. Don't pick up their journal if it's laying on the coffee table and feel that you have a right to go through and start reading that. Um, likewise, parents, you know, if your kids are doing this, uh, don't violate uh, that privacy by picking up and thinking that you have a right to read what is in there. Uh, if your spouse wants you to read something, you know, uh, that you're journaling, let them bring the journal to you. Maybe open it to that particular page and say, I'd like for you to read this. Um, but, but don't feel like you have a right. That's an invasion of privacy. And if your spouse or your children kind of feel like uh, you're, at any point you're just going to assume you're right uh, to read that again, it's going to cause them uh, to, to not uh, be honest and not really be reflecting on maybe some things that God is doing. So just be really, really respectful of other people's uh, journaling, okay? So again, journaling, especially as we reflect on God's word, okay, is meant to assist you in an internal conversation between you and God. So if you're not journaling, let me just encourage you to prayerfully consider adding this to your daily Bible reading. When it comes to the word of God, I want you to listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. He said, do not think that I have come to abolish or to do away with the law or the prophets. He said, I have not come to abolish them. I've not come to do away with them. I've come to fulfill them. Jesus is to be our pattern, our model, our example. Jesus made it plain that he himself lived under the umbrella of the authority of God's word. Jesus made it plain that not only would he never say or do anything that contradicted or went against scripture, he was going to make sure he fulfilled every single part of it because even in Jesus' life, the Bible had the final say. The Bible was the last word. So for us, the Bible needs to be the final authority in our lives. The Bible needs to be the final word. Paul said this about the Bible in 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. All scripture. And there he's talking again from Genesis to Revelation, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It straightens us out and teaches us to do what is right. It is God's way. This is God's way of preparing us in every way, fully equipped for every good thing God wants us to do. This is is going to accomplish all of that 
if we'll just let the word of God have its way in our lives. Now, I find it fascinating that Paul, a New Testament apostle, wrote Timothy, a New, pa- a New Testament pastor of a New Testament church in a New Testament city, and told him the Old Testament was sufficient for every aspect of his church. Now, if the Old Testament was sufficient for Timothy and his church, how much more sufficient is all of Scripture for those of us who have both the Old and the New Testament. And I want you to understand why it's so important that the Bible guides us in what we believe. Because there are two ditches that the church does and often falls into when you get away from the authority of the Bible and let anything except the Bible have the final say. Jesus was talking to his disciples one time. And he said in Matthew 16, 6, he said, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now, what did he mean by leaven of the Pharisee and Sadducees? Well, the leaven of the Pharisees was legalism. And legalism occurs when you substitute God's when you substitute your opinion for God's word and you allow human opinion to take on the same authority as scripture. When a church gets steeped in legalism, okay, when that happens, you generally get concerned about whether or not women should be wearing pants to church, okay? You start getting hung up on whether people should have, you know, tattoos or body piercings. You get hung up on the way people dress. You start questioning whether or not we sing enough hymns, whether or not men should wear suits and women should wear dresses to church. Now, I want you to understand every one of us here has a right to our opinion, but no one including myself, has the right to elevate their opinion to the status of Scripture. When that happens, and it happens a lot in churches, you are heading into the ditch of legalism. But then there was the leaven of the Sadducees. And that leaven of the Sadducees, it represented liberalism. You see, the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. And when a church gets away from the Bible as a guide, it's not that they won't believe anything. It's that they'll believe everything. If you're not careful, you can get to the point in your mind where you just trash those parts of the Bible that you don't agree with or what you believe. I read a true story about an orthopedic surgeon in Miami who while in medical school had a professor, teacher, whose lectures constantly contradicted the textbook. After one particular class, he walked up to the professor and he said, I have been reading my text and I've been listening to your lectures and there are various points at which Your lectures disagree with the textbook assigned for the class. The professor said, really? Bring me your book and show me where there is disagreement. 
Well, the student went to several pages and pointed to this contradiction and pointed to that contradiction. The professor said, do me a favor, write those page numbers down for me. So the student did. Then with that as a guide, the professor calmly, yet purposely, ripped the pages out of the book, wadded them up, and tossed them in the trash can, handed the textbook back to the student and said, there, now it agrees with me. Let me tell you the two page rippers we use in the church when it comes to what the Bible says. One is, we've never done it that way before. That's a page ripper. It doesn't matter what the Bible says. If we've never done it that way before, we're just going to rip it up, wad it up, and throw it in the trash. The other page ripper is, we've always done it this way. Doesn't matter whether or not it has a biblical base. We just rip it out. We just ignore it. We just cast it aside. Well, be put on notice. We're going to conduct all that we do in this church, in our lives. We're, we're going to be faithful, as faithful as we can be. We're going to be as purposeful as we can be to reading to understanding as, the, as best the Holy Spirit gives us revelation and just being obedient to what the word is calling us to do as a church and as followers of Christ. I want to just go to that last slide. I saw this verse this week, Luke 24, 45. Just as Jesus is about to be ascended to the Father, he's meeting with his disciples and Jesus does something for them that I want Jesus to do for us today. And there it says, Jesus opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Isn't that what we're after this morning? For Jesus to open our minds to understand the scriptures. I know what it feels like to not have my mind open to the scriptures before I became a Christian, I would take this book and I would read this book and even at the simplest points, I did not understand what the Bible was saying. I didn't know how to apply it to my life. But I remember when I got born again, when I got saved, when I made Jesus Christ Lord of my life, one of the things he did in giving me the Holy Spirit was he opened my mind to the scriptures and I could understand and not only could I understand I could begin to live out what it was he was calling me to do so I just want to end here this morning and this series by just asking Jesus to do for us what he did for his disciples and that is would you just Jesus open our minds more fully more than they've ever been opened before, just open our minds, our hearts, our spirits uh, to your words. So I just want to invite you to stand this morning. Father, I just thank you. What a beautiful gift Jesus imparted to his disciples before he ascended to your right hand, and that was that he breathed on them, and Father, he opened their minds 
to understand the scriptures. So Father, I just ask the Holy Spirit that is in this place, the Holy Spirit that is within us, that you would open our minds to the scriptures, that the word of God would just come alive to us in ways it has never come alive. Father, as we begin to open the gospel of Matthew, that God, you would help us to see those things that have been hidden in your word for us, those things that have been hidden to be a blessing to us. Father, we pray your word would just come alive in our hearts and in our minds. God, as we read, Lord, that we would know what we're to do with that, God, as we apply that in walking it out. So, Father, I just ask that you would impart this gift to us. Open our minds to the scriptures. And Father, we just thank you for your power, your presence. We thank you for your word. And Lord, we just pray as we get into that, God, that you would encounter us, encounter us in the written word. And God, again, just cause our hearts to come alive unto you. And we just thank you for this gift. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.